Wicked Cool. Feature alert. Hey there, podcast fans. Thanks for listening. Now, you can also reach out and send me a text message. On every episode at the top of the show notes, you'll see a link that says, send us a text message. Simply click it, write something super nice and sweet, and away we go. Also remember to please subscribe, share this podcast with a friend by telling them about it, and leave us a positive review, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, your favorite podcast streaming service, or even on our website at www.afraidofnothingpodcast.com. Get set for not one, but two great guests tonight in a cataclysmic love story for the ages, one that extends beyond this life into the afterlife. And you're going to hear all about it after this opening bit. In a world where nothing is known, nothing is certain, reality is not real. Wake up! Be afraid of nothing. I'm Bob Heskey. Robert. The host with the ghost. This is my podcast, based on my paranormal documentary, Afraid of Nothing. Each episode, we talk to people who see life and the afterlife through a different lens. Join me. Who is this large man? And what's he doing in our bedroom? As we lift the veil and open our minds to see beyond our eyes lie. This is Afraid of Nothing. Well, we have an episode today that is not only super unique, but it's taken a while in the making. I mean, it's got not only a pair of celebrity, a guest uh, that was in my documentary, Afraid of Nothing, a psychic medium, Ruthie Larkin, but also a gentleman who has a crazy story. And there's a connection with Ruthie that we're going to share on this podcast. And you're going to meet them right now. So I'm going to start first with Ruthie Larkin, the psychic medium. Ruthie, welcome to the show. And do you want to give our audience a quick reintroduction to you? Sure. Hi, Bob. Glad to be here as usual. Um, I'm a psychic medium. I've been doing this work for 14 years now, and I love it. Just very much enjoying what I do. And I met Robert. We have quite a story to tell, or he has quite a story to tell. That's a great segue. His name is Robert Posile, but we're going to call him Bob because we're all friends around here. Bob, you are a man who's a successful entrepreneur. You're a car enthusiast. You love Great Danes, I believe. You got a lot of great interests. One thing you did not expect to do or be is an author. So you want to introduce yourself quickly and we'll get into that? Yes, uh, I'm Bob Posil. I am actually in the landscape construction. That's basically what I do for work. And I got involved in doing this book, which is a love story based on the information that I retrieved from Ruthie. And, and the story is absolutely unbelievable. So I hope everybody's ready for the ride. It's a roller coaster ride, and love is always the answer. And 
you can grab the book at loveisalwaystheanswerbook.com, all one word. And that leads you to my website, and there's a link there you can click on and, and purchase the book. Thanks, Bob. Now, every love story doesn't have quite the rocky road that yours did. Let's talk about how you first met Jen, and you didn't expect to have a relationship. You just expected someone to help you with your dogs, correct? Yes. I I basically, I, I belong to a few Great Dane sites, and obviously I have a Great Dane, and I was reaching out because Samson was a puppy at the time, and, and he was very, very, very bouncy and, and kind of out of control. So I got involved in talking to some people, and some people gave me Jen's name. Now, Jen is in California, which is 3,000 miles away from where I am. So I'm thinking, oh boy. So anyway, I got a hold of her, messaged her, and she messaged me back. Uh, She gave me her phone number. I called her. We set up basically a time for her to come and at a cost to train my dog, Samson. And that's basically how it all started. It was just a business relationship when we first started. As she came, I picked her up in Logan Airport and, and brought her back to the house. And we started talking, and she was kind of giving me some pointers of how we're going to train my dog. Now, obviously, it's a Friday night, and Saturday morning came around, and we went out for breakfast, and we started talking. And she said, boy, I love this area. It's beautiful. It's quiet. It's peaceful. And I said, look, if, if you're that good at training dogs, and obviously you rode horses, and you're big into the horse industry as well, I said, uh, would you ever think about moving into this area? And at that point, it, you know, she said, boy, I, I would give it a, a thought. And uh, Saturday afternoon, and this is going to blow a lot of people's minds, as I'm there and we're having this conversation, it's Saturday afternoon, I go on the website and I found a house that was like a mile and a half from where I lived. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of blew up. We went to look at the house on a Sunday. And I put an offer and I purchased the house. It was just like, it was instantaneously, and I can't explain, it was just unbelievable, the chemistry, and there was something about her that really drew me into her. That's kind of how that all started, and the rest is history. So you met someone to train your dog, who was excellent with the dog, but also uh, left an impression on you. She moved out there, and you somehow got Ruthie's... A phone number and talk about how you reached out to her. Your first call with Ruthie wasn't really, and I know Ruthie because she's helped a ton of people. It was a little more uh, pessimistic and negative <laughs> than you expected, correct? Right. There was a friend of mine. She went to one of Ruthie's conferences and she gave me the the number and she couldn't talk enough about Ruthie. And then Jen left and went back to California. And I had this gut feeling like something just wasn't right. So I said, ah, heck, I'll give it a shot. So I got a hold of Ruthie. We set up a a date. I think it was August 24th, 2017. And I started talking to Ruthie and asking her questions about this Jen, who was, you know, obviously now we purchased a house and I'm involved in this relationship. And, And some of the things that she told me, uh, yeah, I was like ENR and then saying that, you know, there's no way, there's just no way this is going to happen. And some of the things I, I will, I don't want to give too much away for the book, 
But one of the things that she she says, well, I see drugs in Jen's life. I said, oh, yeah, she's a antidepressant. You know, she's got depressant issues. She goes, Bob, no, I'm not talking about that, she says. She says, I see some other drugs in her in her life. And I go, oh, I just kind of put it to the side. And then she goes, oh, I see she has a short life between two and three years. And at that point, that was it, Bob. I was like, oh, I'm going to hang up on this woman. I, I this, this is it. I can't deal with this anymore. Right? So I I, I was nice. And, and she sent me the the audio of our first conversation. And I just left it as where it was. I That was it. That was in August 24th, 2017. So that was my first conversation with Ruthie at that time. Yeah. And Ruthie. We've had this conversation before. Again, you were in the documentary, Afraid of Nothing. You've been on a couple episodes as well on the podcast. You're very busy. You're super busy. You do hundreds, I don't know, maybe thousands of readings. They're in and out of your mind. You can't keep it all in, but you remembered this one with Bob. So you want to tell us why? And and did it kind of even surprise you, the negative feelings that you were getting on this virtual or psychic meeting with Bob? That's correct, Bob. Yes, and my readings aren't typically negative like that, but I tell the truth. Whatever I'm getting, I'm getting it because the person I'm talking to is supposed to hear it. And I did not get any good feelings about Jen. (laughs) And I knew that this was putting Bob off, but I knew that he was walking into a hell, basically. And I was trying to persuade him that she wasn't who he thought she was. So that's exactly how it worked. And I felt bad that I was telling him this information, but at the same time, I have to always tell the truth. So Bob, you took the information like, oh God, this is awful. And and you went away and then you started realizing some of the things that Ruthie told you were right. And you kind of had a reunion call with Ruthie. You want to talk about that? Yes, it was in... February of 2018. And at the time, Jen and I moved into the property in November. We were in the property for six to eight weeks. And all of a sudden, the issue was that I gave Jen a phone. And at that time, she was using the phone, the company phone that I got her. And there were all these calls from like Boston and Worcester, and I I didn't understand it. And at that point, At that moment, on January 18th, 2018, I discovered she has a problem, and it's a drug problem. So at that point, she realized that I found out about her issue, and at that point, I moved into my other property that I had, and she was taking over this property. In February... I called Ruthie and I said, Ruthie, am I going to get my house back? And Ruthie is going, oh, Bob, you should have listened to me, right? So Ruthie, it's been about a year since you've heard from Bob, who didn't have the happiest reading, and you hear from him again. Did you remember who he was and what was your thought? I remembered who he was immediately because of the the bad news I had given him and reading like that doesn't happen. It's so rare. It's it's not even funny how rare it is. So I immediately knew him, who he was, and I knew he was calling me back 
for the very reason that he was, which was to say, how bad is this? And I told him, it's going to be very bad. <laughs> we finished the conversation with uh, basically he was going to have to pay money to get her out of the house. And it the story goes on and on. But the bottom line was I had her number. Of course, I thought I had her number, but I only had part of her number, which you'll hear more about later on. Yeah. I mean, the audience is probably listening going, wait a minute. I thought this was a love story. This poor guy is being put to the ringer, but no audience stay with us for this. And also, we're not going to tell you everything. We're going to ask you to get the book and we'll, we'll share that again at the end. But one of the things Ruthie mentioned was that Jen was not going to live very long, Bob. And that came to pass, too, after you talked to Ruthie, I believe. That's when your relationship also took another change. Well, in in February was the time that I spoke to her in 2018, and she said, I see a six, so you're going to get your house back in June. And I got my house back June 26, and it cost me ten grand. So I finally realized Jen was diagnosed with cancer. And it was in December of 2019. Jen was a very private person. And she had a bunch of walls built up around her due to the fact that how she was brought up in her childhood and she was abused and so on and so forth. And she never told me why she needed to go to the hospital. She said, oh, we're just having a test. So when I walked in... After the biopsy, I didn't even know it was a biopsy. They just said, well, I'll be back at noontime to pick her up. And I get there and the doctor says, I, I would love uh, to talk to you as well. So I went in and I saw Jen. She was coming out of recovery. And I grabbed her hand. And I said, hey, sweetie, what's going on? And the doctor came in at the time and he said, um, we got some bad news. And I said, oh. And he said, she's got a tumor in her pancreas. And at that point, you know, we just both started bawling and, and trying to figure this this whole thing out. So that was basically the last time I talked to Ruthie was in February 2018. And then after Jen passed, then I had the next conversation with her, which was in July of 2021. Yeah. And and so was it about a year that she that Jen had the cancer or? It was 15 months. And how did your relationship evolve over this time? I think you both got, in some weird way, this, this in this darkest time, you both got something out of it and some comfort from each other. Is that accurate? Yes. And I, th the point that Jen and I is, I was Tom Brady at the time. I was going into the Super Bowl and I was going to win it. So there was nothing that I thought in my head that we couldn't beat this cancer. And in my mind, I was the cheerleader. The support that I had for this person was unbelievable. And I, I kept being drawn to her and giving her support and being there for every moment of her life. And I took about a year off from work to be with her. And during that period of time, the conversations we had were very, very in-depth and a lot of soul searching and a lot of truth. And that's when I realized this woman was sincere and she was a real solid soul. Once you took all the other stuff away and you realize now you're dealing with a situation. And in my mind, I always thought I could beat it or have 
the people in place to beat it, which was Dana Farber or Beth Israel. And I was there to support her. And like I said, I went into this like Tom Brady going into a Super Bowl and I was going to win it. And obviously I did not. So that real, real raw emotion at the time that we sat at the table and she was crying about how she was going to take care of her dogs. And I said, don't worry about it. I got them. And she apologized to me up and down about what has happened in the past. And we kind of came to immense at that point. And I said, I forgive you. I love you. And that was a lot of the things that we said and we had communication was just between Jen and I in our pet names and so on and so forth. So that was a very, very difficult part of our relationship. So you were a guy that used to, you know, date probably a lot of people, I'm guessing. You were a bodybuilder earlier in your life, very well off, self-made, and then meet this beautiful woman who kept herself from you and herself. I mean, through the drugs, probably as a mask to protect herself too from her past. So during this cancer, you kind of exposed who you were, a surprise that you were as a caregiver that probably surprised even you. And she responded and shared really who she was as well. Is that accurate? Very accurate. We spent time together. The things that we'd done was that we sat on the porch and we had coffee and we just talked about life, you know, and about our roller coaster relationship. And she couldn't apologize enough. But there was something magnetic there. And there was something different that I didn't understand why, why everything that's happening, why is this happening to me? I mean, she got cleaned of drugs. You know, I, I took care of that situation and I got her the help she needed. And then just as she was becoming this beautiful rose that was opening up, that this awful, awful disease, the most aggressive cancer out there, the pancreatic cancer. And I'm thinking to myself, why is this happening? What? Why? And, and as the story goes on, the journey was already edged in stone prior to this. Yeah, that's a good segue because call number three to Ruthie came a couple of months, I think, after Jen passed. Ruthie, do you remember that call? And were you surprised to hear from Bob again? I remember it perfectly, and no, I was not surprised at all. I figured he would be back in touch with me at some point after she passed. It was sad, to say the least, but, you know, we all have a spiritual journey, and even I was surprised at what I was going to be finding out because they were absolutely two souls that were connected and were soulmates, but we had no clue about that until we started talking to Jen. And Ruthie, you know, the skeptics out there will be, well, wait a minute, you're a psychic medium. You sh- how come you were trying to keep him away from Jen at the very beginning? And I think I know how you respond to that, but you mind answering that? No, of course not. Because I was told what I, the truth about her human life. We were talking about Jen the human. And any message I get is going to be accurate as far as I'm concerned. I People that come to me know that I do have a, a lot of accuracy. And she's a human. So I was getting the human message. I, I had her perfectly cast as a human. But that was only part of the story. Because we didn't know the rest of the story until... 
he called me and he wasn't even quite sure why he called me, I don't think. Bob was saying he didn't expect to connect to Jen, but he was expecting maybe somehow I could help him. He didn't really know what to expect. And I said, do you want to talk to her? Do you want me to connect? You know, we can have a connection with her. So he was very surprised, but I knew we could connect to her. And that's when we got the rest of the story. How many calls did you have after that point with Ruthie, Bob? So you've had three calls. First call is, nope, not for you. Tells you some stuff that came true. The second call, some more steering you away. And then the third call, you're just trying to just reach out and have a connection. You're not looking for a connection in the afterlife, but that's what you get. So what was your reaction from that call? And then how did, how did your relationship with Ruthie and with Jen evolve after that? When I finally got a hold of Ruthie on that day, it was in July. It was three months after Jen passed. So I finally got a hold of Ruthie and Ruthie explained to me, very simple, you know, she got a hold of Jen. And all of a sudden she stopped and she goes, oh, you guys were soulmates. That's the reason as Jen was explaining this through Ruthie. And I'm, I'm like, oh, and I really didn't know what a soulmate was. Uh, and then she explained it to me. And then in the second part of it, she goes, oh, Jen is waiting for Diesel. That was Jen's baby. And um, I go, oh, he's doing fine. But what do you mean she's waiting for him? So I didn't think much about it, and I took him to the vet, and he was full of cancer. I had him put down like a week later, and one of the things that Jen said in this conversation with Ruthie is, don't let him suffer. So he was to the point where he couldn't stand up, and it went quick. It went from like him running around, you know, jumping around, having a great time, to within two weeks, he could barely stand to eat his food. And I knew at that point, that's what I needed to do. So that was really eye-opening in this, you know, this new chapter of of my life now. So that's that's kind of how that conversation went. And between Ruthie and I, I, I probably can't count how many times we've had conversation in the last two or three years. And it is such an incredible journey. And I understand the journey so well now. And thanks from Ruthie for explaining this to me in detail. And that's what this book's about. It's about hope and to inspire people. You know, it's it's interesting because that explained why you had the sudden attraction and that's and that explained why it was a deep attraction. It wasn't just because she was beautiful, which she was, Jen was, but when she had cancer and was at her weakness, you were still more even deeply connected to her. And that soul connection really kind of explains that. I guess Ruthie what do you believe? Did Jen, was she in Bob's ear telling him to call you or did she visit you and prompt you to have conversations with Bob? How did that work? Well, it can work many different ways. Um, I do believe that spirit gets us to do many things because they do have our ear, whether we know it or not, but where they can put things in our mind. If we're close enough to them where we will act accordingly they're going they may try to save us from a dangerous thing or they may just say look at you the rest of the story you need to hear the rest of the story which was Jen's story so i believe that she probably did have him call me again at that point in time but knowing bob he's a very curious guy <laughs> and he's 
He wants to know things. He had no clue about how soulmates work or how a real medium works. Because before I was doing psychic things with him, I was telling him psychically, I was reading the energy. So he had no idea how it all worked until he called me that last, that first time after she died. And that's when I said, well, we can, I can connect, we can connect to her. I call it long distance calls. Do you want a long distance call? And she came through very strong, very quickly. But the best thing was we were told in very intense and unbelievable fashion why this had happened the way it had. Because they are soulmates, but they both fulfilled a spiritual journey, which will be in the book, but which is in the book, I should say. But the bottom line is we didn't have the rest of the story until Jen could tell it to us after she passed. How many lifetimes, Ruthie, in your experience does it take for, you know, soulmates like Bob and Jen to connect and tie the knot on this part of their spiritual journey? Soulmates are in each other's life for every lifetime. And we have many lifetimes. Some way, somehow, we will meet our soulmate. We cannot get through another life without that soulmate. And that soulmate can appear as a brother, a sister, a lover, a mother, a father, anything. We can even change sexes. But the bottom line is you only have one soulmate and you have that soulmate for eternity. And did you have any idea or did Jen communicate with you and Bob how many lifetimes they've had together? She never told me anything like that. And that's not something I think that I have ever received. But I will have once in a while, I do get to see another lifetime they had. But that is really a a situation that I send people to a past life regressionist, a specialist. I have been trained in it, but not to the degree that I'm certified. But you can find out how many times you've lived, basically, and how many times you you have seen your soulmate and have a relationship with them and, and what that relationship is about. It's very interesting. So, Ruthie, you've been having conversations, channeling, you know, Jen to to Bob based on what she tells you. How is she doing in the afterlife? And what has she shared with Bob about what the afterlife is like? First of all, she's very engaging. She dresses up differently all the time. And she'll come in and tell us about different things that she's doing. She's always got the dogs with her. Something always comes out that's new and different for us. But she's Definitely, what I have seen is that they can do whatever they want to do on the other side. A lot of times when they have had problems with drugs, they'll help people on earth get through drug situations. And that's their choice. Jen has the dogs with her. I think there's five dogs, if I can remember right. She has told us so much information, but what she does is she gives Bob a lot of information of things that will happen are things that have just happened. And I think that's what really sealed the deal for Bob because he had no idea how mediums work, what kind of information we can get. And every situation is different anyway. But she's extremely happy. I've never seen an unhappy spirit in my life. They are, there's no unhappiness. Once you transition, you're full of love and peace and you have universal knowledge but she'll tell him the funniest things and he'll say, oh my God, I can't believe it just happened. 
he'll call me or he'll text me and say, look, at Jen just told me I was going to see this and here it is. So it she gives him a lot of fun information, I think. She talks about the dogs a lot. She always has, if something's wrong with the dog and he doesn't know it, she'll tell him. And sure enough, she's never wrong. She has never been wrong yet. Never. They're never wrong. They they are supreme beings. So so it sounds like she's uh, keeping tabs on you, Bob. And, and even like as recent as Thanksgiving, you want to share that little story? <laughs> yes. Uh, I was talking to Ruthie and it was Thanksgiving morning. Bless her soul. And one of the things that Ruthie said is Jen said, where's the turkey? And I always, and I always have turkey, right? And this is the first year I didn't have the turkey. And I, and obviously I always set a plate, you know, without the food, but I always set a plate in Jen's place there. And, and she was concerned that there was no turkey. And she said, where's the turkey? And this is the first year that I bought a ham. So that's a pretty well, you know, that that kind of likes ah well that's that's kind of nice and then and then I'm sorry about the laughter but uh, as the conversation ended between Ruthie and I and she goes oh you got a little mouse that's running around your house and I go how did she know that and 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 the son of a gun I buy these donuts for my dog my Samson for treats he likes the plain donuts from Market Basket and and. This little creature opens, obviously the box is already open and I just fold it over. He opens it up and he starts nibbling on my donuts. So obviously I knew about that like the day before that it was this information that, you know, Jen, you know, Ruthie didn't know nothing about it. And Jen explained to Ruthie, oh, he's got a mouse running around. And obviously I do. So there you go. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I'm not surprised at all with Ruthie. Also, do you ever pick up anything? Any, I, you know, there's a one of Ruthie's dear friends is a guy named Rob Guttrow. He um, is uh, known more as a pet psychic. He helps people see signs from their past pets because they're not tuned into it, right? So he helps a lot of people do that. Has Ruthie, in your calls with her, have you ever seen some signs that you thought, wait a minute, that that's Jen telling you? Have you ever had like, you know, an intuition or a voice in your ear or a sign of something you said, that's definitely Jen? Uh, yes, and I've had many. So Ruthie's talking to me, right? And we got Jen on the long-distance phone call. And she's sitting on the curb, and she's staring at this gray owl. And Ruthie goes, you seen that owl? I go, yeah, in the zoo about 20 years ago. I, I, I didn't see an owl. I haven't seen an owl for 20 years, maybe 25 years. She said, well, you better keep your eye open because Jen's sitting there staring at this owl and it's a gray owl and it's a very spiritual owl and it's wisdom and there's other things that go with it. So I said, oh, all right. I think it was the next day or maybe the day after. I can't remember. I'm taking my dog Samson out. And it was about 930 or 10 o'clock. And as I'm walking up into the upper field, this bird comes flying by me. And he's probably 10 feet away from me. And his wingspan was fairly large right by me and up into the pine tree. And I'm looking and it's this gray owl that's staring me down. And I'm like, what the heck? So I said, ah, so I bring my dog in, Samson, because he was done doing what he had to do. And I have the two other dogs of Jen's. So I take them out 
And there's this beautiful owl on a pine tree, and he's still there. So I took three or four pictures of this beautiful, beautiful gray owl. And then I, I thought nothing more about it, and I went to a job site. I came back in four hours, Bob, four hours. There's another pine tree right as I come out of my door, and there is this owl staring me down again. And I'm like, wow. So I grabbed my dog, Samson, as I take him out for the second time. It was probably like probably 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. As I'm taking him out, this bird flies by me again, by my barn, and, and sits up in a pine tree and watches us for probably 5 or 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. It just flew away, and I have never seen that owl again. Wow, that's great. I mean, and there's tons more in the book. You know, when people get the book, they'll they'll get a, a pretty good idea of how this story that began with a, a relationship in life, continued in the afterlife, continues to guide you and bring you happiness and, and joy. Uh, the book is done. And at the you're going to tell us again at the end of this podcast where to get it. And, and uh, love is always the answer. But you continue to have some revelations. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to share that you think our audience might find interest in that is after the book. Yes, th there's actually a couple of different situations. One of the situations, I was outside. It was probably five o'clock in the morning with my dog, Samson. I'm walking by and all of a sudden, Samson just stops and he's looking to my right. And as I'm walking with him, he just stops and he, he peers his head. So I'm still in movement and I see this like shadow and it was like transparent, and it went by me. As it went by me, I could feel it go by me. And I'm like, holy Jesus, what the heck was that? I didn't say anything to Ruthie about it. And during one of our conversations, towards the end of our conversation, Jen says to Ruthie, you know, that shadow that went by you, that was me. And that was kind of like, oh, so that was another situation that's happened to me. That's pretty cool. I'll get. I'll give one more. That's pretty cool too. It just warms my heart. I'm sitting there talking to Ruthie on a Saturday, and I have a cup of coffee. I always put on the floor, and Samson always lays next to the cup of coffee. Now nobody would know that. I don't. I don't share that with Ruthie. And Ruthie goes, "Oh, you got a cup of coffee that's on the floor?" I go, "Yes." She says, is, is your dog right next to it, Samson? I go, yeah. And it was like that instantaneously right there, boom, done. And that's where he was. And there's so, so many other situations that have happened that are really, really cool. And I know she's with me. So really, I mean, the story... We'll, we'll continue when you meet her in the afterlife, and, and who knows if you'll go on to a higher higher plane after this, but talk about how this experience has changed you from 2017 to now in 2023. I mean, a lot of people over the past several years have gone through a roller coaster with COVID and the economy and all this stuff, and they've gone through a bunch of trials and tribulations, but you've had a real spiritual one, but you want to talk about how this has changed who you were spiritually before and who you are now? Absolutely. Back in 2017, you know, I had my like, oh, geez, you know, the spiritual thing. Is it real? Is it not real? Is it something that is a gimmick? Is it not a gimmick? Because I didn't understand it. And we all have a journey that we're taking. We don't know at what time or when this is people are going to leave. 
And, and, and what happened is I was materialistic, Bob. And at the point of what I went through with Jen and dealing with the cancer and dealing with this beautiful, beautiful young lady who was fighting for her life every day and not complaining, uh, pancreatic cancer is very, very painful. And it made me become more, more into the humanity of life and understanding it doesn't matter where you come from or who you are. Everybody goes through some difficult times and there's grieving and there's pain and there's loss. And it really made me become more attracted to different people and understand them in many different forms. So the book is basically, I hope I can give hope and inspire people that maybe never had a chance to say goodbye to somebody that will understand that there is a veil that separates us and it's very fine and they're always there. So it made me really be in touch with my inner soul and to understand how people are in this world. And sometimes we take a lot for granted and there are people that are really in need for what we have at this point of hope and to inspire them in some way. So it, I really put myself in that position more than I ever have in my life. When I see somebody that's down on their luck or no matter what, I'm more than willing and able to help them. So it really made me become more of a human being, a complete human being. Yeah. So it, this relationship, which is a very unique story, and we're going to talk to you in a second about this, but it is such a roller coaster, and it had such an upswing in the afterlife after Jen passed, and how it continues to change you. It's very unique. Ruthie, you've dealt with hundreds to thousands of cases, and there are some that you remember and you share. Where does this stand in the uh, the library of uh, of your experiences, and and what surprised you, and what have you learned from this story of Bob that love is always the answer? Well, I've learned a lot actually, and this stands. This particular situation has a front row seat because I was given the opportunity to understand also that sometimes we're not supposed to get the messages that were meant to be heard later. This was a perfect case for that. In other words, I wasn't given the information. They were soulmates. I wasn't given the information that we would find out later because I wasn't supposed to. They were supposed to get through this, and they did. This was part of their spiritual journey here on Earth. They fulfilled each other's spiritual journey. So that's that's the whole purpose of this. So for me to be able to see it and hear it and understand it, and most importantly, help Bob understand it was really the greatest gift I could ever have. Also, I've always said my role in this world is to open minds. And that's all I ever want to do is just open minds, give people a glimpse of what is really, what energy is about, where we go after we die. And we certainly did open Bob's mind, and it also opened mine even more as well. And, and I have to ask, it sounds like you have pretty regular conversations with Bob. 
How long do spirits continue the dialogue after they leave? Or at some point, is it goodbye until I see you later? Or, or is this one you see going on for a while? Soulmates never leave each other. Never. But they also want people to move on. You know, they'll always be their soulmate. I have a lot of clients ask me if they have a new partner on earth, what will happen when they die? Because their previous partner may have been a soulmate. And I tell them it doesn't make any difference. A soulmate, you only have one soulmate. But doesn't mean that your partner will take a back row seat, your new one. It just means that everyone loves each other. And it's like a big spiritual loving family. You all have a role that you play in a human's life. And when you're when you work a spirit again, because we go back to being spirit, there's no fighting, there's no jealousy. And I have so many people you know, they think that someone's going to be jealous. No, it doesn't work that way. There is no jealousy. Once you're a spirit, you have universal understanding, universal love, universal peace. So you, you understand all of this. You understand why these were lessons that were supposed to be learned in our lifetime. But once we're a spirit, we're together again. And usually the way it works is people will start to come into another life unless their lifetimes are over. And I felt strongly that Jen had, for her to have the life she had here on earth, she's had a lot of lives. There was no no doubt about that because she went through a lot here on earth, but she fulfilled her spiritual journey here. And it was really a hard one. So I think she's probably, she may not come into this world again. And Bob, when he gets to the other side, they may say, we're just going to be spirits or they may come in again. But the bottom line is the more lives we have will depend on what we have done with each life. Yeah, you're lucky, Bob. I haven't met my soulmate. And I feel like I've, I'm like, I have so much more to learn <laughs> before I'm, I, I'll be like, you know, Groundhog Day on this earth, I think, because I have so much to to learn here. Wow, this really is a, you know, as advertised, this is a very unique story with a wonderful message. It's nice to have a positive message and a positive story with all the negativity around. Bob, please tell us what's up with you now, where people can get the book, and any future plans with this story. Well, you can go to the website, which is love is always the answer book.com, all one word. Let me repeat that. Love is always the answer book.com. And there's a link on my website. You can click and you can purchase the book. It's on Amazon. It's on ebook. I am going to start my second book in the middle to the end of January, which will be kind of a continuance of this. And I am so passionate about this. And this book, this is my story. It's not meant for everybody to really do what I had to do to get to my journey and to understand what I had to, but it's a love story and it's pure and it's very heartwarming. And I love my Jen, no matter what we went through, she was there. All I can say is I hope it touches other people and it inspires people of people who've lost, people who never got to say goodbye or 
tragic accident or, you know, an overdose or whatever. And I hope this does inspire some people. It is so exciting. And, and Ruthie has brought so much joy to me. And I have to say thank you to her because if it wasn't for her, I would not understand why this happened and how it happened. And it's so clear. And it's so nice to still have that long distance phone call. And Jen still keeps an eye on me. Very well said, Bob. Uh, In the show notes, I'll have a link to the book too. Ruthie Larkin, a.k.a. the Beantown Medium, you have a huge client list already. Not that I need to promote you because there's a long waiting list for you, but is there a website you'd like to mention, Ruthie? Or do you have anything to add on top of what Bob said about when someone's lost a loved one, there is probably a reason and there is still a connection? Thank you. Yes, there's always a connection and there's always a reason. One thing that everyone should know is that when you think of someone that you loved who has passed, the moment you think of them, it's like an SLS that goes out to that spirit. I don't care where they are. They were right by your side. They have no physical limitations. So they're immediately by your side. So it should warm someone's heart to know that's all they have to do is think of someone, either look at their picture, think of them in their mind, talk to them, pick up a piece of their clothing it's an immediate SLS and that they should know immediately that they have that beautiful spirit right next to them. And the other thing is that they can contact me by beantownmedium.com and I have a request form to fill out if anyone is interested in attending a show or actually have a personal reading. Yeah, highly recommended. I mean, like I said, I this is not just from this episode, from past episodes, from my documentary and, you know, just your reputation, Ruthie. Everyone knows how excellent you are. So, Ruthie and Bob Posil, thank you so much for your time today. What a great message and what a great story for this time of year with all the other stuff happening. It's great to know that love is always the answer. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you, Bob, for having us. You've been listening to the Afraid of Nothing podcast. Please subscribe and like us on Facebook. Until next time, stay scared. Hey, you're still here? Great. Then why not listen to another episode? Visit afraidofnothingpodcast.com to peruse all the shows. That's afraidofnothingpodcast.com. And while you're there, click the coffee cup icon to buy me a coffee and leave a review. I'll give you a shout out in an upcoming episode. And the world will know how swell you are.